I liked it, and it was really good, and I came out and I had a big smile. It needs a bit more than that. This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to the Double Feature Movie Podcast. I'm Jonathan Robertson. I'm joined this week by the new papers, Chow Suan, and the return of the new papers, Joanne So. Hello. 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 It's the end of the year. 2018 is coming to its last gasp. So we thought, just as a bit of a diversion, we'd go through our best, and not quite worst, our best and most disappointing films of 2018. We're going to have three of each, along with a few honourable mentions along the way. So... In terms of the best, who did not make it into your top three, Joanne? Um, okay, um, Aquaman, the most recent. Um, it's good, but it's fun, but it's definitely not my top three because there's so many other better movies out there. It's fun because it's cheesy, it has Jason Momoa, and... Well, it's nonsense. Yeah, it's nonsense, but that's why it's fun. I mean, but it it's, has not, a... it's definitely not top three nonsense. No, not, not really, not quite. <laughs> Any others? Um, I've got Shadow on my honourable mention ah. list. It's a very good change from what Zhang Yimou has done before from all his vi- vibrant colours and all. And you, s- you get this gorgeous monochromatic palette that you really see greys in a different light altogether. And it's the best part is because he writes his wrong from the monstrosity that he did with The Great War with Ooh, Matt Damon. Yes. <laughs> Any others? Yes. Um, my recommendation for the year-end movie will be Mary Poppins Returns. It's not your Julie Andrews, but I'm not sure how many of you out there has watched a Julie Andrews classic, but Emily Blunt does a good job as Mary Poppins. I think a, a lot of people think they know what Mary Poppins is without actually having seen the whole thing. They'll know segments of it. They'll know Chim Chimney and Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Of course, that easily pronounceable song. <laughs> so Anne, what are your honourable mentions? So one of them is the IMAX re-release of 2001 Space Odyssey. Cool. It was really good. And it's so perfect for IMAX. It totally made sense that they would do that. And it's already one of my favourite films, so what more can I say? Well, tell me the other two. (laughs) Well, another one is... Okay, so Sharkers would probably be one. That was really good. Documentary. And up for an Oscar. Yes, which is great. Yay, Singaporean pride. Ish. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I really liked it mostly because it kind of showed a Singapore that makes you feel nostalgic, even though you never knew that time. I'd love to know where they shot some of the stuff because it seems impossible mm. to shoot, like that long stretch of road. I just hope we get some big mention in Oscars, that's all. Yeah, it'd be really good too. And as we said when we reviewed it for the podcast, I'd now like, after Shirkers, I'd now like to see Shirkers. I'd like them to go back and remake the Shirkers that was meant to be. Let's see Shirkers, hey! Okay, what else? Um, ooh, my last one is a toss-up between Lady Bird and Call Me By Your Name. Both kind of for the same reason. I like that kind of sentimental, few-good movies, you know, a lot of... Coming of age. Yeah, coming of age, kind of figuring out yourself. And both movies have such great clothing choices. Yes. And I will go me. for Lady Bird. Clothing yeah. choices? Yeah, yeah, the style is so great. Yeah. I'll watch it again just to see everything they wore again. Well, for me, it's uh, going to be probably Halloween because it brought a sense of art back to the horror movies. I would have said three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, but kind of it won loads of Oscars, so everyone knows about it anyway. But if you do go back and watch it, and I urge you to do it, Woody Harrelson's performance, that's the one that should have really got the awards because I loved it all the way through. Yeah, Woody Harrelson should have won it. Yeah, Woody Harrelson should have got something for it. Uh, First Man, you know, because it takes you into the cockpit of the space rockets. 
And I'd also say Ant-Man and the Wasp that got slightly overshadowed by its bigger siblings of Black Panther and Infinity War. Perfect for IMAX in a way that it's shot to make everything look like a miniature. So, on to our big three. So, Anne, what's your third top film? Number three, uh, Climax Gaspinoy. It's a French art house thriller where a party of dancers accidentally, well, got drugged with LSD. And it's a, it's a whole, it's a, an entire experience of just you at the edge of your seat, kind of feeling really uncomfortable throughout the whole thing. And I think it just, it did what it tried to do. And I really Perfect for it. a family on Christmas Day. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's your third choice? I think I would go with Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh-huh. Simply because of Tom Cruise. Not that I'm a big fan of his, but his work ethics deserves much, 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 much praise <laughs> for and not dying and all for the sake of how much is um seven bucks for movie tickets? Mm-hmm. Six fifty on a discount day. <laughs> so the amount of effort and the, the risk that he took is just yeah. fantastic. Uh Mission Impossible is in my top three. It's a uh, well, seeing as you said it already, it's 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 actually my second one, I'd say, uh, because all of my top three are beyond just oh, it's a good film. Everything is about the craft of mm. movie making, yeah. and Mission Impossible does it so well, and yes. everything's real. Yes. I even uh, tweeted uh, the director, Christopher McQuarrie. <laughs> he, he he does a lot of Q and A's on Twitter, so I asked him, "Are those tunnels with the boat underneath Paris real?" And they are. Yeah. So it's, it's not like a stage set, which you, you can yeah. easily imagine. He, they go out, they source it. Yes. It's not just about the big stunts. Yep. It's about the look of the entire thing. It's amazing. Yeah, I t- totally agree with that. Because, I mean, the, um, the amount of work and research and, you know, all the effort that he's really put in for this Mission Impossible, it's, it really up, you know, blows your mind. Yeah. Right? It, next one, they can only go to the moon. To yeah, they have to top it. that. Yeah. <laughs> number two. What's your number three? Well, okay, my number three is uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Because, again, it's about the craft of filmmaking. It, this is, the story is pretty straightforward. You get the powers, you learn how to use the powers, you, you get your friends together and you win the day. Fine. But the look of it, this is, I'm still blown away by it. It still feels like we've just evolved. You know, it's well, you mentioned 2001. It's like some animators have touched the big black obelisk and have discovered this whole new way of animating that is not just 3D it's not just 2D it's a combination of everything and it's got such life to it it's not just a, you know oh here's animation it's yeah I was going to say pizzazz and I hate the word pizzazz <laughs> but it's got such drive and energy and everything and I keep on seeing all these artists who've been working on it and a lot of them are some of my favourite artists like Jim Mafoot who's a uh, comic artist stroke graffiti artist he's done stuff for it Peter Chan who does a lot of uh, Pixar backgrounds before he's done the backgrounds for it it's yeah it is a beautiful beautiful thing <laughs> so there and it made me use the word pizzazz okay, okay. Do you want, what's it? your second one second one um, the year will not be complete without a Pixar film and so my choice would be Incredibles 2 mm-hmm. not just because I'm a Pixar fan but it's also very personal um, the whole entire thing about the theme about parenting is a superhero job I totally 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 get it and of course they put the mom as the best the mom's a hero 
Why won't I get it too? Oh, Why isn't it personal? It's all about you, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but animation is fantastic, and um, yeah, it's it's to it's it's nostalgic also to see it again after fourteen years. Yeah, and which is a long time to wait for it. Yeah, I have to say, I was slightly no, I I mean I loved it, but it's not been the most memorable thing. It's not not like the first one when it came out. Yeah, it didn't. It's different. And the first one had. The scene with the the missiles heading towards the jet and the mom's trying to pilot the jet and she you know rescues her. It didn't quite have that same moment, that same thrill, that sense of danger. You know? I think it might be because it's fourteen years too late in a way. Also, because you've Could seen be. quite a lot of stuff that happened yeah. within all these years, mm. and it's I mean a lot of other movies came out so. But I think the thing about The Incredibles is it's kind of a journey. Like, you're invested in every one of the characters. Yes. And then every time you watch them again, it, it just feels so familiar and yeah. you care about what's going to happen to them. And and, yeah, and it's great it's, with character work. It's the whole entire family thing. It's like, you know, Jack-Jack. It's, so, it's like you, a child. You seriously don't know what kind of a child potential a child has. Well, the raccoon yes. fight is a highlight. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, so Anne, what's your second one? Actually, my second one is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Because I thought it was like the perfect alignment of everything. It was great visuals, great music together with great graphics. And it had just enough of everything. It had just enough action, just enough emotional scenes. Everything just sort of worked perfectly. And I think it all came together to sort of make a complete experience where there isn't really anything I can complain about. Then let's get your number one. What's your number one? Okay, so my top film is Shadow. The Jung Emo, oh, yes. which was in your honorable mentions show. Yes. Um, I just really liked it because I thought it was such a visual experience. And yeah. Right? Yeah. It was so beautifully done. It's so different. You yeah. seldom see it. Yeah, it's very different because it's like, I mean, it's it's so, it's Jung it's Emo mm. and it's so visual. It's such a, it's like a dance. And then when you use splashes of colours, it's just, you know, at the right moment and makes everything perfect. Yeah, it was like the monochrome and the colour worked so mm. well together and the storyline was so exciting and dramatic. <gasps> the final fight, oh my goodness. Right? Yes. And well, like even the plot twist, you just yeah. don't, like, it comes It comes at you out of nowhere. I shall have to catch this because I, I failed to catch it at the cinema when it came out after your, your review of it. So now now that I'm getting it twice, uh, yeah, I shall definitely have to try You have to, have to watch this. it, but it's best you watch it on a big screen. If you and can. in the dark, it seems. It seems like a very dark palette. <laughs> yeah, you kind of need to because it's all black and white. Yeah. It kind of does add something. Don't watch it on your new Mac because no, the mirror effect will be too it's much. It's like um, they take the whole um, the Chinese calligraphy to a whole new skill. Yeah. It's that time of Chinese painting and it's like big screen Chinese painting. It's really good because you never know what you're going to get with Chang Yu. Oh, yes. And I think that that was also one of the big things. You didn't go in expecting to like it as much <laughs> as you will walk out feeling like you okay. just Probably been completely blown you did away. Quite a fair bit of trash before that yeah all these ponytails <laughs> okay Joanne what's your number one Infinity War wow no. yes <laughs> I think I okay um, I think I have I might have watched it at least five times I think Joe. yes no okay um, um, for work and for personal and I think every and I think I watched it on the plane once so it even worked on a small screen so I think that says a lot because I could actually remember every single scene and everything still feels very fresh. So that's that's my number one. And okay. it has a lot of heart going on. You you feel personally invested in every single character. Probably because you've seen all of them all these years and you just wanted to. You're to some waiting. extent, you've grown up with them. Yes, sort of. To some extent. Yes. And 
it's you know it has everything it has it has it seriously has a lot of drama and you feel like I said invested in it and how you want to know what's going to happen to them and then when the snap happens it's like <gasps> I think no. that's the biggest twist for me this year it's like why well it did have a wonderful Thor entrance that when he comes back to the battlefield I mean just that is that giant rescue moment oh yeah just as everything seems lost yes. and then you get this out thing going up fantastic but at the same time I don't know it just did it something about it just doesn't hang together for me so I, it, it comes together as a whole you're actually right it's on my list of films I didn't love as well maybe it's because it's it, you know it's it's towards the end you, you said it has it's one of those like the bridging films mm. you know you have to get this, all these things done so that the big end can come next year and surprise all well, of us well that said I am extremely looking forward to next year it's cruel that they put the trailer out so soon. Yeah, because it's amazing. <laughs> it's just, uh, yes, it better okay, be now, good. It better be good. It better be good. Well, I guess my number one film is Phantom Thread, uh, which is a bit of an odd one for me in that it's a very low-key film. Uh, it kind of got passed over at the Oscars. Yes. Which is strange because especially since it's meant to be Daniel Day-Lewis's final film. Yeah, and he gets nominated for every single film yeah. that he shows up. But it's again, it's a brilliant performance. It's a it's a lot quieter performance. It's a very mm. nuanced performance. He's a eminent couturist in 1950s UK, and it's his obsession with this young muse and how his own nature. It, he's got uh, some form of OCD. Acts against his ability to be happy. Mm. Um, and again, it's this is a thing with Paul Thomas Anderson films where you're not. They have a theme of obsession and you come out of it, you're never quite blown away. But something about it just haunts you for ages. There's this little nugget, whatever it is, that just grips your mind. It's haunting is what the film is. Yeah, I mean, everything's there. In your, it's, it's, it's perfectly shot. The, uh, another Johnny Greenwood score that's just amazing. And of course, all the, uh, all the performances are brilliant. And then it just grips you. Of course, along with Paul Thomas Anderson, it's always got one scene as well that seems to capture people's imagination, even though it's not really anything to do with the film. And in this case, it's when Daniel Day-Lewis orders breakfast. He's at a a very posh kind of tea room and he's ordering a very specific meal. (laughs) And it's it's immense. It's with this one man who's just quite svelte, you know, in the Daniel Day-Lewis way. And he keeps on ordering all the, you know, buttered toast in this particular way and cups of tea and potted jam and clotted cream and then sausages in this way and bacon in that. It's, it just keeps on going on and on. It's just this immense meal for one person. And it, yeah, anyway. Didn't Binging with Babish recreate the meal? Indeed he did. So, so if you <laughs> want to see how to make the meal, go to YouTube, look at Binging with Babish, who is a great channel anyway. Uh, yeah, and check that one out. But otherwise... Watch the film Phantom Thread. Yep. Amazing. Totally agree with Phantom Thread. It's it's such a understated film, and so you will like it. The clothes are fantastic. The gowns <laughs> are so nicely tailored and gorgeous, and yeah. the bridal gown. And when something spilled on it, I could feel the heartache. Oh. I I really yeah. felt the heartache. It's like oh, oh my oh. goodness. It's like oh. That is that a one. moment. Where you, yeah, you you just everything just. How can you put it? It's like so, you know, the room depressurizes in yeah. some way. It's just, <laughs> I, f- I totally felt with every single one of them over there. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll watch that. Well, those are our best. And instead of worst, let's go most disappointing. We know what the bad ones were. The Meg was terrible. Skyscraper was terrible. 
John English strikes again was terrible. Venom was. I even got some sort of death threat over John English when for my review. Venom was and yet so successful. So, what were your most disappointing? So, Anne, let's start with you. Um, Okay, so my three most disappointing films. The first one was Ready Player One. Mostly just because everyone hyped it up so much, and it had such a great premise. Like it had such a, it was such a good idea, and with the references that it had, it should have been amazing. But it was just kind of a mere film. Like the the main character was really whiny and just kind of irritating, <laughs> and even the references I thought fell a little flat. I mean, I was really looking forward to the Shining reference, and it was just kind of like it but didn't carry the. I movie know what yet. you mean about the references. I think there's something about eighties culture that we or eighties nostalgia that we've been so flooded with that any reference to it now just seems like obvious. The lead character looks a bit too much like Miles Teller. Was not charismatic. <laughs> he's not, he's not, charismatic, he's, he's yeah. not a lead actor. Yeah. No. He's just a boy. But but that's why I find that when he goes into Avatar that works because it's he, he knows he's being being a different person I, altogether. Yeah. So that's somehow I, f- I thought that, that worked for me because okay, seeing him in person is like Ew. So but, yeah. I would say that a friend of mine who is an avid reader and loved the book said that the film is even better than the book. Really? Everyone yeah. I know who read the book said that it was just a total disappointment. Well, the film. there's an outlier out there somewhere. There you go. Okay, so what else have you got? So another one is Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh. Oh. Yes. Okay, honestly, it could have been so good. And I, and I followed all the Star Wars movies and you love the characters. And I mean, it has so much potential and it was just bad, straight up bad. Like the plot was weird. They, they kind of made it into this weird like Disney-esque with so much like romance and then like tangled love interests, and then Darth Maul comes back, and th- at the end of it, I just walked out feeling like, what did I just watch? Also, because nobody can be solo, but Harrison Ford. That is that's my yeah. that's my yeah, stand. Right. That's why yeah. it didn't work for me. So. No, you're right. Just no one will be quite as charismatic. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What's one of your other most disappointing films? <laughs> okay, this one needs a big caveat. It's not that I didn't like it; I loved it, but I just thought. Something about it was off. So we were talking about Avengers earlier, Infinity War. So that's my third most disappointing film. Cause hang on, hang on, hang on. I just need to put the dividers up between you and Joanne. Just so <laughs> so she we're not killing attack. each other. <laughs> okay, so what is it about Avengers Infinity War that didn't quite strike for you? I feel like so much of the movie, there, have, there were pockets of really fantastic moments. I love the Iron Man, Doctor Strange dynamic. And I thought all the characters were really... I mean, the premise was interesting too, right? But I just felt that the whole film felt so rushed. Like, the pacing was all off. It just felt that they were trying to stuff so many different stories into one movie. And it just... I felt like I didn't have enough time to really get into one dynamic or one scene or one particular incident before it was just over. Hmm. Hmm. Like, it was... I felt like some of it was just convenient. Like, it was just... Rushed. Yeah, like, sort of pushed to be sort of just moving along without any... I think it has moved along. It's about two and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. You're right. It was already super long. Two and a half hours and ten years of film law to cram in. Yeah, exactly. So, Okay, Joanne, what are your most disappointing films? Fantastic Beasts and The Crimes of Grindelwald. Oh, yeah. I wanted so much to like it. And there's many, many elements that I actually enjoy, especially the Hogwarts moments where, you know, you, you feel bring back to the Harry Potter world and everything. But... And then you have a Johnny Depp that comes and destroys everything with his... I, I don't know what's up, up with him. He's like, different scenes, he likes to put on a different accent <laughs> and different style of, I don't know, different style of flamboyance. I didn't mind him so much until the very end when he turns out that he's wearing leather trousers. 
At which point I just thought, is oh, Captain can you, Jack Sparrow? Can you not be Johnny Depp for a moment? Yeah, that's that's the whole annoying thing. Is he's supposed to be Grindelwald? He's supposed to be the most powerful wizard in the whole entire universe, next to Dumbledore. But yeah, he just comes across as Johnny Depp. Yeah, it's, he just can't, he just can't shake off. I don't know his 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 own persona, and you know the story is it's pretty good. Oh, it's not it's not a bad movie. Let me clarify. It's not bad. It's a pretty good movie. Oh, it's I enjoyed well, it. it. Yeah, and I enjoyed it too. But it's just minor things that just, you yeah. know, let me down. And it's like, it could have been better, especially the two sisters. They were the most annoying people in oh, the whole film. Yeah. Tina and oh Queenie. I was like, oh, oh my goodness. It's, it's so like, can you, can, yeah, you can just totally write them off the whole entire well, part. I can see a reason for Queenie. Because oh, yeah, yeah. She, she, has, she turns to the dark side through wanting to be good. She's uh, seduced by the promises of everything will be fine. I can see why, but the actual character and what she does in the film is just yeah. wow. It's, no, it's, the, it's tiring to it's, get through. It's definitely tiring, especially when she's sitting down and moping on, a, on the streets of Paris and crying. <laughs> Isn't she a witch or wizard or something like that? And why do you need that scene? It's just like, what am I doing here? It's like, why is the world against me? Why is everything against me? Why nobody loves me? Oh, it's just, oh, just X the whole entire scene off. Enough of the Potter world. <laughs> what, what are your other disappointments? Um, Ocean's Eight. Oh, I, I, it came and went. It came and Amazingly. went. Amazingly, yes. it's it's it had it's set up with such a good put. I mean, premise and all. We have the whole entire reboot with just all women trying to do you know a, a brand new franchise and all. It's and it has fantastic cast. You have Anne Hathaway. You have Kate Blanchett. You have Sandra Bullock. You have everybody. Even Rihanna and you know every single one has every specific role to do but it has to become a back to what Steven Soderbergh does the whole plot is follows the same thing and you know every 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 one of them is such strong actresses but Sandra Bullock was just you know she's good but somehow she's not bringing out what she could have done more I mean Kate Blanchard is fantastic in a rocker chic thing but that's Kate Blanchard and mm-hmm. Anne Hathaway I think she's the one who saved the show I agree. She really carries the character of being so flamboyant and weird and everything else. But somehow, I find that maybe instead of trying to, you know, reboot a, a whole entire franchise, they tried to just, it's a cookie cutter thing, follow the Steven Soderbergh and just put female inside. Right. Yeah. So I thought, you know, there's so much more you could do with it, but, you know, it's just quite disappointing. Maybe the pacing or the editing or the filming, the directing is bad or something. It's, well, I won't say bad, but it's just not cohesive. Mm. And... They all they have good chemistry, but somehow it feels some parts are just very choppy. Mm. Right. I sure so. see what you mean. I feel like they had such great actresses, but none of them were really acting. Yeah. They were just kind of playing themselves, and there was just sort of like that kind of like closeness and the dynamic that you want them to feel. It just stops just short of it. Yeah. Something. Yeah. It's, it's something about it is just not correct. Yeah. It just missed the potential. Okay, Joanne. What was the last one? I think the other one that missed the mark is Tomb Raider, which is also had the potential to change the whole entire franchise from. I mean. Angelina Jolie's time to this Alicia Vikander. She's a fantastic actress and she has, I think she has the ability to carry out the action scenes pretty well. And I thought it was a very, very brave thing for them to do to have such a scrawny girl, young girl playing, you know, this king. So I, I didn't believe that, you know, she could do it. But when I've seen it, she has the ability to play Tomb Raider. But at the end of the day, it's story again. I'm surprised you went in with so much hope because, it, I mean, it's a video game film. Aye, yeah, I, I don't think my hopes are high, but it's just new. It's, it's interesting to see, like, someone doing Lara Croft again. Mm. I mean, personally, I mean, maybe because I played Lara Croft before. And it's, you know, it's such an iconic video game character. You mm. don't get many female games characters outside, besides Resident Evil, 
which I don't think anybody should remake that one. Just leave it at this. So, okay, so I'm digressing. But well, they've had about nine goes at it or something <laughs> already. I feel like Tomb Raider just came out too late. Like, I mean, is Tomb Raider even still relevant? I, th- I think anything can be relevant. If you do it right, I suppose. It's, it could be anything. So, you know, mm. these things could come together. Yes. This. But then they don't. Yes. Speaking of which, uh, my selections. Uh, one is The Predator. I'd have to say it's also the worst film of the year, I think. It's such a bad film. Beyond even Olivia Munn being cast alongside a sex <laughs> offender and then finding out after the fact. It's a crass, crass mess where they have a child that's got a Hollywood version of autism, which means that if you're autistic, you can do amazing things with technology that's beyond this world. You have uh, one guy who's got the Hollywood comedy version of Tourette's, which is just shouting out swear words at every opportunity. Nothing in it makes sense. The leads aren't really ones that you want to follow. The action is messy. And you just can't believe that it's directed by Shane Black, one of the smartest directors in Hollywood, a guy who creates amazing films like uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Iron Man 3, and The Nice Guys. And this has got no semblance of him at all. It looks like a knockoff version of Shane Black, and it's just horrible. Also disappointing is a film that's currently out, which is Once Upon a Deadpool which should have been a fun exercise in can you make a R21 film PG-13. But whilst all the F-bombs are taken out, it's still lots of swearing in it. So if you're going to take your kids along thinking, oh, this is going to be cleaned up, you're going to be in for a nasty shock, I think, Mm. depending on how you feel about the lighter swear words. (laughs) But there's a lot of it in it. But I just think it's a wasted opportunity because if you're going to do that, you may as well go with the old overdubbed TV thing and make it completely sanitized but in a very amusing way which is that you bleep over the words or you just switch them out for other things so in TV back in the day when they were showing films like that had major swearing in it'd, it'd be like flip you melon farmer and muddy funster <laughs> <laughs> all that kind of stuff so if they'd done that it would have been a lot more entertaining and you still get a film that is like it says at the start, it's quite a heartwarming film. It's a film about family. It's a film about, you know, people find themselves. It's still got a nice message to it. But, yeah, the, just taking out the F-bombs and sticking Fred Savage is not enough. <laughs> and it could have been so much more at, without going to too much more effort. Um, the other ones, Equalizer 2, simply because you've got the most charming actor in the world in Denzel Washington, who you could basically watch beating up bad people all day. Just going around town, you know, old lady has a problem with a rival gang down. Rival gang? I don't think an old woman has that many rival gangs. Old woman has a problem with some gang down the street, so he goes and sorts them out. You know, uh, bookshop owners being harassed by the mafia or something, he sorts them out. That's all you really want from Equalizer 2, but the logs and this bizarre plot, and it has no sense of pacing at all. So you're waiting for stuff to happen, and waiting, and waiting. And there's a blip of action. And then you're waiting again. (laughs) Is the main plot going to kick in now? No, 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 no. So, hugely disappointing on that front. But, next year, we have a whole raft of wonderful films, hopefully, to come up with. Of course, it's going to be a big Marvel year. With Captain Marvel and the, what do you call it? Endgame. Endgame. Avengers Endgame. Endgame. Well, join us next year for lots more reviews on Double Feature. For now... Thank you, Sue Ann. 
Thank you. And thank you, Joanne. You're welcome. I'm only allowed co-hosts who rhyme. <laughs> so, Anne, tell them about it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to us on Google Play or iTunes, leave us a rating and some comments. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, be nice. It's the end of the year. And until the next time, goodbye. That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg.